Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jackie T, writer and romantic. Welcome to the A Romantic in Kansas special features. In this series, I present a select feature subject and celebrate stories and fun facts around it. This episode is recorded at 712 Innovations in downtown Topeka, Kansas. For this feature, Seeking the Cowboys. There are cowboys in Kansas, and I explore who they are from yesteryear and today. Upcoming in this feature, a vignette regarding my wondering about cowboys in Kansas, an interview with a cowboy poet, an interview with the executive director of the old cowtown back-in-time venue, guidelines for cowboy hat etiquette, and oh yes, more. Gotta love our sponsors. You will hear about each of them during this program. They contribute to the A Romantic in Kansas story. And each special feature includes an interview with one of our core sponsors. In this episode, I visit with Susan Barnes, proprietress of the Grand Central Hotel in the Flint Hills, about her perspective on cowboys. Ready? Here goes! Firstly, here is my vignette regarding how I began Seeking the Cowboys. I had arrived to Kansas for the first time after living years in Chicago. I was beginning a Jackie T. Writer-in-Residence expedition, this to travel and write. When I confirmed that the maiden destination would be Kansas, USA, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I'll meet a cowboy, and well, left it at that as I dove into preparations for the expedition. Until within planning the schedule, I set up six weeks at an artist retreat in Matville Green. I was told that was in the Flint Hills region, and at the time I was still in Chicago, so I didn't understand what that meant. Now when I spoke with a gentleman who set up the reservations, he told me that I would be in a region where real cowboys lived, and that I'd be apt to meet some of them when I came into town. Real cowboys, I echoed and blushed with anticipation. I was to meet real live cowboys. Other than the fact that they wore cowboy hats and cowboy boots, and as the gent at Matfield Green reminded me, they also wore chaps and spurs, I didn't understand what else that meant. Yet, I was soon to find out. I expected they would be gentlemen, the kind that give ladies kind regard and surely they would be colorful characters, and perhaps earthy. Beyond those perceptions, cowboys remained a mystery to me. It was after I'd arrived to Kansas that I paused to wonder where in the world I got the notion about meeting a cowboy as soon as I heard I'd be coming to Kansas. And by then, as a writer-in-residence, having stayed in Kansas for a while, I understood three places I got that notion. One, the classic westerns. Hollywood had a long era featuring blockbuster westerns with a heyday from the 1940s to the early 1960s. While that was before my time, I grew up spending many a Saturday afternoon staring wide-eyed at big-screen Western movies that now were rerun on TV. 
And after I came to Kansas, I met a friend who's a fan of movie channels dedicated to classic westerns. I watched a few of those movies with him, and I realized that Kansas was the backdrop in many a westerns. Reason two behind my notion: Kansas as a backdrop in many a westerns. Kansas is the home of real-life towns Abilene and Dodge City that became meccas in the mid-1800s cattle trade. Because of the thriving business, greed abounded, and herding cattle hundreds of miles to these towns became a dangerous undertaking, as outside rustlers might invade, trying to steal the cattle for their own gain. And who tended the cattle on these rides? Cowboys. They got up before dawn and spent most their days on horseback driving cattle across an open range. Reason three behind my notion: all the ranches. Since the mid 1800s, the vast Kansas prairie became a settlement for ranchers who raised livestock. And where that livestock was cattle, who tended them? Cowboys. And now, with my initial plans as writer in residence, including residing among cowboys, I looked forward to mingling with a few. Well, darlings, that didn't happen. Not at Matfield Green, anyway. After I'd arrived in Kansas, the fellow who arranged the artist's retreat canceled for two reasons. One, he worried that the location of my cabin would be too remote for me. Two, and as I understand, it really came in second. The folks who owned the artist's cabin wanted to do renovations, and now that I wouldn't be there, they could start doing so early. The reason the gentleman worried about the cabin being located in a remote area was because I'd arrived without a car. Now I had arranged for transportation to the cabin. After that, I intended to do a lot of writing and. To manage getting around mostly on foot, I had the impression I would be about three to five miles outside of town, and to me that was a welcome walk that I would make once or twice a week. By the time I had the conversation with the gent from Matfield Green, where he mentioned the cabin was about twenty miles outside of town, and I mentioned I wouldn't have a car, I was already in Kansas. Chalk it up to lack of communication and presumption on both our parts. He presumed I had a car. I presumed that once there, I wouldn't need one. A rural Kansan and a downtown Chicagoan, while having combed over details over previous emails and phone conversations, failed to touch base on the most basic. Until <laughs> about two weeks before I was scheduled to arrive. Once we realized this significant detail, he worried. I did not, and here's why. Now I knew to arrive extra stocked up to make a point to visit the town on day of arrival, as I'd already intended, and to meet locals, let them know who I was and what I was doing, and maybe among those locals, I'd meet a few cowboys. I'd get some more essentials while in town before settling back to my artist retreat cabin. There, I'd have access to the internet and could have things delivered from anywhere, if need be. 
I also had neighbors within the artist complex who surely occasionally went in town and would likely feel fine about letting me tag along for an errand. And upon those seldom occasions during my stay, the neighbors and I might enjoy an errand or so together and even make an excursion. And among all this, surely I'd meet cowboys, and those cowboys by nature would watch out for a gal on the prairie. (laughs) Footnote to any listeners furling their brow about now. Oh yes, I'm a romantic and I know nothing else. What else is there? Yet, this wouldn't be my first rodeo with the fellows. I repel cads, and I tend to recognize gentlemen. Okay, so it all made sense to me that I would be fine for the artist retreat stay. I told the gentleman so, yet I didn't elaborate why, and he didn't ask. He simply canceled the artist retreat reservation for my sake. He didn't want to worry about me and I respected his decision. And therefore, I did not have chance to stumble upon cowboys along their township turf during my first days in Kansas. Yet I knew they were here. They wore cowboy hats and cowboy boots and chaps and spurs and tend to cattle on horseback. Somewhere in the Flint Hills and along the prairie, they work behind the gates of modern-day ranches gotta love our sponsors, including the Kansas Bell Dinner Train in Baldwin City. All aboard the Kansas Bell Dinner Train. Enter the heyday of train travel. Oh yes, be seated in a 1940s dining car ambiance. Behold entertainment reflective of the era. For example, live music or audience participation shows like murder mysteries and melodramas. Dine in style with five-course Saturday evening dinners or three-course Sunday matinee dinners. All this while taking a train ride in a completely refurbished vintage car. For information on the dinner train, To view the entertainment calendar and to make your reservations, visit kansasbell.com. A little chronology regarding my experience arriving to Kansas. When I confirmed Kansas as the main destination for my writer-in-residence expedition, indeed, one of the first things I thought was, I wonder if I'll meet a cowboy. I spent months yet in Chicago making arrangements and plans for the expedition. During that time, I met a fellow who charmed me enough to fast become my beau. Oh, I didn't expect it. Our relationship was fun and stimulating and sweeping. And ever in the background was the fact that I'd be leaving on the expedition. Well, only weeks after I embarked on the writer-in-residence expedition, our relationship crashed like a train wreck, and I was left stunned as I stood on this new ground. It hurt. Comedy is related to tragedy and vice versa. And I appreciate a little joke that was left for me within the few whirlwind months this all happened. Here it is. 
when I first thought, I wonder if I'll meet a cowboy. While still in Chicago, I met a fellow with a cowboy name, Bud. To me, it seemed like a cowboy name, having not met a cowboy and not before meeting a fellow named Bud. I laughed about it with a smile while with him before I left Chicago, and laughed about it through pain after the train wreck. Eventually, one chapter in my life was closing as another began, and I had to leave Bud on the pages of a closed chapter as I opened a new one. That time was rough. It was so rough. Yet there are good things that he had done for me that I kept with me as I moved on. One of them, he encouraged me, nudged me, and even coached me to pursue my radio show series idea. And as I embarked on my next chapter to explore this new frontier, Kansas, part of the mission was to learn about cowboys. I'm only beginning. I now understand that the Flint Hills extends along the central east area of Kansas. I spent some time in that region as writer-in-residence. Now, one of the A Romantic in Kansas co-sponsors is located in the Flint Hills. I interviewed the owner, who has personal insight on this region and on the cowboy lifestyle. Listen in. Okay, I am downtown Topeka, Kansas, here with Susan Barnes, the proprietress of the Grand Central Hotel in Cottonwood Falls. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Jackie. Glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, nice to have you here on this warm, windy day. Okay, we are featuring cowboys in this program, and I just thought this was perfect to match you as one of our core sponsors to talk about cowboys. Um, One of my questions is, how are you familiar with the Kansas cowboy lifestyle? Well, I'd have to start with the Oklahoma cowboy. I was raised in Oklahoma around cowboys and then came to Kansas when I was 12 and have been around cattle and cowboys all of my life. My um, family are cowboys. My uh, son-in-law, my grandchildren are all in the cattle business, and so it's, it's right down my alley. Yeah, so you have experience with the cowboy lifestyle, cowgirl lifestyle all your life. Uh-huh. Do you dress up as a cowgirl? Not necessarily. When I'm running my business, I don't. Mm-hmm. But it's not unusual to have cowboys come in at lunch with spurs on. I mean, that's a normal thing for me. Right. So, yeah, so. lots of cowboys in the area. Yay. <laughs> so, so you'll have to come and meet one. I was going to say, if I want to meet a cowboy, i got to spend you some time to, in Cottonwood Falls. You come to Chase Hotel. County and we'll, we'll introduce you to a cowboy. Okay. Well, thank you. That's yeah. wonderful. Thanks, Susan. Yes. Um, and what could you tell us about the cowboy lifestyle? The cowboy lifestyle is a long day, I can tell you that. Uh, They normally get up very early in the morning and uh, saddle horses and leave home and go out and gather cattle or go out and uh, doctor cattle, feed cattle, take care of ranches. Uh, It's just a very long day, but it's a very fulfilling day. Uh, Training horses is also part of it. Uh, it's it's a wonderful lifestyle. Okay, so outdoors all the time. Uh, all yes, the time. Yes. Okay. And as I understand, when we're out and about you're driving around the Flint Hills and other rural areas of Kansas, the cowboys are here, and they're beyond the gates of ranches. So can you tell us about ranches in most, Kansas? Most of the ranches, uh, I, primarily I'm familiar with Chase County, but most of the ranches are very large acreage ranches. I think the average ranch in uh, 
Chase County is probably at least 3,000 acres, if not 10,000 acres. So being out in the open and looking out after the cattle on a large ranch, you're just not around the fence. You can't be seen. Mm-hmm. You're on horseback out in the middle of the <laughs> huge ranch. Okay. So when you see the gates to the ranches with their brand uh-huh. symbol uh, on the crossbar, the gate. Uh-huh. okay, way beyond there, there's a lot going on. There's a lot <laughs> going on. And the, the reason that the cowboys are so prevalent in at least the Flint Hills are because, of course, the Flint Rock. They have to ride a horse across that land. They can't do it in a four-wheel or an ATV or something like that, so they have to be on horseback. Okay, Wow. And the cowboy lifestyle, the ranch lifestyle is in your family and very clearly in your heart. Now, the Grand Central Hotel, your suites are named after famous ranch brands? Brands. Okay. And how many suites are in your hotel? I have 10 rooms in the hotel. Two of them have one king bed and then eight of them have two queen beds. Okay. This is a beautiful boutique hotel celebrating the Flint Hills. Correct. Built in 1884. It's always been a hotel. We've been open now for 23 years. Wow, 23 years here. And could you offer a glimpse of some of the suites in your hotel? Yes, they're all very much the same. It's not a Victorian look. It's more of a European cowboy combination. We have down comforters on the beds, but then there are also the brands, and then we have the door knockers that are old Mexican spurs, and the door stops are boot jacks for people that come in and have <laughs> wear, wear their boots, and they want to get their boots off. They have a door stop that's a boot jack. So it's just very rich Western style with a little bit of a European flair. And for the guests at the hotel and also for people who are visiting Cottonwood Falls or living in Cottonwood Falls, you have the Grand Central Grill. Correct. And we feature steaks. I feature Creekstone Farms steaks, which is a premium choice, Master Chef beef. And uh, that's what we're known for. However, we do, of course, have chicken, hamburgers, vegetarian dishes. We can also uh, prepare dishes for vegans. So we have pasta. We have you know anything that you would want. A very traditional American steak restaurant with a mm-hmm. full bar. We have a great wine list. Our prices range between $5 and up to $35. So it's a very uh, broad range of American food. Yes, it's fine dining in a relaxed atmosphere. Really nice. Yes. And we're connected on Facebook, and you list some of your menu specials daily, and I hear the the chefs who prepare these. Right. I have uh, Chef Mason is always preparing wonderful things. Uh, I also have Chef Sam. Uh, She's fantastic as well. So we're open Monday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. We always suggest reservations. You certainly do not have to, but we always do suggest them because we don't like people driving uh, long distances and then not being able to get a table. Okay. And back to the boutique hotel, I noticed that one of your amenities is concierge service, which is very nice. So you help guide people for their stay in the Flint Hills. Give us examples, please, of some of the recommendations that you make for your guests. Yes, we can arrange horseback riding for them, uh, picnics. Uh, we can do hiking out at the Tall Grass Prairie National Preserve. Uh, we can send them out on specific tours of the Flint Hills that they can drive themselves. Uh, we used to have a wagon called the Prairie Drifter that we would take people out at sunset. And um, 
listen to the birds and the and the insects because if they're coming from the city they don't hear those things so yeah we can arrange uh fishing bicycling Okay, so there's plenty to do. There's a lot to do. We also have great shopping uh, in the oldest continuously operating courthouse in Kansas. The Chase County Courthouse is known for lots of tours and uh, also as uh, very operational. Our Chamber of Commerce is always accessible for people wanting information on the shopping in the area and lodging and dining mm-hmm. other than the Grand Central Hotel and Grill. Okay, yes, and and downtown Cottonwood Falls, that's like a little step back in time. It is, it (laughs) is. I had some people in over the weekend that were just really enthralled with the view of the courthouse from the hotel. It's quite enchanting. Yes, and this is in the heart of the Flint Hills, Grand Central uh, Hotel and Cottonwood Falls. Cottonwood Falls is the county seat of Chase County. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been talking about before the interview about how just beautiful the Flint Hills is. Um, can you elaborate on that? The Flint Hills is the, the heart of the Tallgrass Prairie that we have in Kansas. The Tallgrass Prairie used to go from Minnesota to Texas, but because the land was plowable, it became farmland. But because of the Flint Rock in Chase County and in the Flint Hills, which is made up of 22 counties, because of the Flint Rock, it cannot be plowed. So that's what's saving our Flint Hills. Hmm. And uh, we have the last 3% of the Tallgrass Prairie in North America. So we find it to, to be very precious to us. Mm-hmm. And we, we spend a lot of time preserving it and making sure that people are able to enjoy the Flint Hills um, as much as we do living there. Okay, you and I are talking in the springtime, and we are at the end of what they call the burning of the prairie. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because that's a big part of the Flint Hills. Yes, uh, a lot of people want to come and see the burns. We burn all of the prairie in March and April to renovate the Flint Hills. We burn the prairie so the grass uh, gets more nutrients to feed the cattle. Our commodity in Chase County is our grass, and we bring in lots of cattle. Uh, For instance, Chase County is a population of 2,700 people, but when we bring cattle in, there's like 300,000 head of cattle (laughs) in, in Chase County. So that's where the cowboy comes and works the land, works the cattle. So the burning of the prairie, uh-huh. people driving through at that time, it's usually in, in the springtime, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So some people might not know that. All of a sudden they'll be driving along and they'll see lots of smoke across the prairie. Right, and lots of flames. And uh, there's not very much public land in Kansas. The government owns some land at the Tall Grassbury National Preserve. There's another 10,000 acres that are owned by the Nature Conservancy. But... All of the rest of it is, and and even the Tallgrass Prairie, is private land. And so each rancher picks and chooses when they're going to burn their land. Mm -hmm. But when they get the black grass and then the grass starts coming up, that's where the nutrients are to feed the cattle. And that's when they bring the cattle in to start grazing. So this is part of what the cowboys are doing in the springtime. Yes. It is. And there must be an art to it. I mean, you can't just start a fire and they must know how to control it. Absolutely. Yeah, very important. Okay. So I guess I can't say what is your favorite, but what is one of your favorite aspects of owning the Grand Central Hotel? Oh, the people. Okay. The people that come there. I mean, they're just, they are so eager to enjoy the peace and relaxation that the Flint Hills brings them, that they they are um, 
They're just absolutely wonderful. I love my employees, but I also love the guests that come to the hotel. And where are the guests coming from? Oh, all over the world. Really? All over the world. Uh, just in August alone, which in 2017, I had uh, seven foreign countries come to the hotel. So wow. in this week alone, I've had uh, five different states. So wow. they're, coming not, they're coming to see the Flint Hills. They're coming to enjoy the prairie. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be there. Okay. And, and we were discussing beforehand, I remember seeing online, and, and I looked it up again, in 2014, Green Landscapes awarded the Flint Hills as one of the seven most beautiful sunsets in the world. Right. Not just in Kansas or the United States, but the world. Yeah. And I believe it. <laughs> I, I uh, get to see them every evening. And they, the sunsets and sunrises are absolutely wonderful. That is just so nice. Now, the Grand Central Hotel is, like we said, in Cottonwood Falls. And if people need more information, where may they go? GrandCentralHotel.com. It's okay. pretty easy. There are several Grand Central Hotels over the world. However, it's GrandCentralHotel.com. They can email me right off of that or uh, give us a call at and I can give you the phone number. Sure. It's 620-273-6763. Okay. And may they make reservations on the website? No, I don't do that, Jackie, because I only have 10 rooms. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So I like to, uh, I like the personal touch. Mm-hmm. I've been in the business for 48 years. I just, I like that personal touch of working with people directly. Okay. That sounds wonderful. Well, Susan, this is great. Thank you so much. Thank you for being one of the core sponsors for a Romantic in Kansas special features. And thank you for being here with me today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Later on, Ms. Barnes shares an annual event that she hosts. Oh, yes. Stay tuned. Some cowboys relish to express their experiences through poetry. Here are a couple annual cowboy poetry events that cowboys may enter for consideration and that are open to the public for folks to enjoy their performances. Cowboys selected to perform in these events, on the most part, have direct experience working on ranches. Okay, the first one is the Kansas Cowboy Poetry Contest. Entries are open to cowboys in Kansas and everywhere. Selected entrants must be available to perform their poetry at the contest events. Now, the preliminary competitions are held every spring, and the finals for the Kansas State winners are held every June. These events are open to the public. This year, the Kansas Cowboy Poetry Contest finalists compete at the state finals June 8th in Manhattan, Kansas. The winner receives a signature belt buckle presented by Governor Jeff Collier. For more information, visit cowboypoetrycontest.com. And another event, the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. This is a cowboy poetry and music festival held in Elko, Nevada, the last weekend in January every year. The next one is January 28th through February 2nd, 2019. This is not a competition, yet poets and musicians who want to perform must enter their work for consideration. Entrants selected receive expenses paid to partake in the event. Over 7,000 people attend the performances and activities. 
2019 is the 35th anniversary of the Cowboy Poetry Gathering. For detailed information, visit nationalcowboypoetrygathering.org. Gotta love our sponsors, including Wheat State Wine Company. Wheat State Wine Company in South Central Kansas offers engaging wines in a variety of selections to accommodate your taste. Try white wines like their Dandy Horse Vidal Blanc, red wines like their Ad Astra, a Chambersine and Norton Grape Blend, or their Red Bud Rosé. Wheat State is open weekends year-round for wine tastings and tours of the winery and vineyard. During warm weather seasons, Wheat State hosts a scheduled outdoor Uncork the Music series. Select your favorite wine at the winery, ask for it at your favorite wine shop, or order online. For detailed information, visit WheatStateWineCo.com. Since I came to Kansas, I did meet a cowboy poet. I met him at a writer's conference where he was a guest speaker, and I invited him to come and share some of his perspectives and a poem on this show. Lucky for us, he accepted the invitation. Here's our conversation. Hi, I am here, downtown Topeka, with Don Wellborn, a cowboy poet based in Meriden, Kansas. Welcome, Don. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you here. What is your experience as a cowboy? Well, I grew up on a small farm out by Meriden, and um, like most kids in my era, I idolized the cowboys on TV, you know, the big heroes, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but I also idolized some local cowboys that, man, they just had that presence. They could climb on a horse and uh, rope a big steer. That sort of thing just really caught my attention as a young kid, and that's what I wanted to be. Other kids my age wanted to be maybe an uh, astronaut, but others of us, we wanted to be cowboys. <laughs> I studied animal science at Kansas State University, and we had a few cows on our farm, but um, wasn't really a ranch, and we didn't really use horses to work the cattle. But I worked for people that did, and, you know, it just kind of got in my blood. I loved rodeo, and when I was a young guy, I tried to ride bulls, but they rode me more than I rode them. (laughs) But my real passion was roping a calf off a horseback. But that lifestyle, that desire never left me. Okay, so this sounds like over the years, there's different aspects of being a cowboy that you imbibed in, and all these times where you're hanging out with other cowboys... Oh, yes. That was the people that I gravitated to. Uh, You know, cowboys tend to be kind of free-spirited people that, you Mm -hmm. know, love the outdoors. They like working with their hands, um, you know, like working with animals, that sort of thing. And um, that's just who I gravitated to. And so I got to know a lot of farmers and ranchers. I helped ranchers work their cattle. And uh, it's been a long time since I've owned any cattle myself. And it's been a long time since I owned a horse. But uh, I still get to ride other people's horses and help move cattle and that sort of thing. So it's something I never fully got away from, even though my occupation went away from there. But uh, that's just who I am, I guess, and what I'd prefer. Clearly, this has gone into your soul you need to express through poetry. And when did you start being a cowboy poet? 
Uh, I've told this story many times before, but it's kind of funny. When I was four years old, my mother bought me one of those little Rand McNally children's books. Okay. It's called Cowboy Dan, and it was written in the form of a poem. Uh, I'll read a couple of lines of it, but uh, okay. uh, well, I'm a rootin' tootin' cowboy. My name is Cowboy Dan. I can ride a horse and rope a steer as fast as any man. <laughs> you were eyes wide. Absolutely. And like little kids that age, I made mom read me that book over and over and over again. <laughs> and and um, so anyway, uh, it's my first cowboy poem. Okay. And, uh, over the years, I just doubled at it a little bit. And uh, I loved well-known cowboy poets uh, like Baxter Black, uh, particularly. He uh, was on Johnny Carson numerous times. Uh, Carson loved cowboy poets and had various cowboy poets on there and had a lot of fun with it. And uh, Baxter was a big hit whenever he was on Johnny Carson. But, um, so I admired those guys. And when I retired a few years ago, I decided that, you know, I'm going to try to write one. And I wrote one and I thought it was kind of good and others did too. <laughs> and so I just kept on writing and People started asking me to do a little show for their event and that sort of thing, and that's how it's kind of blossomed. And you won a prize in a cowboy poetry contest, at least one that I know of. I did. I, I won the Kansas Cowboy Poetry Contest in 2012, so uh, I got this nice, beautiful gold buckle for the Governor Brownback um, oh. awarded it to me, and, and that was kind of fun. Um, and I've got to meet a lot of other cowboy poets through those contests and that sort of thing, and, and just had a lot of fun with it. Um, and you have a poem for us? I do, but you know, I, I say a lot of your listeners are not 100% familiar with some of the cowboy terminology, so if you could indulge me, I would make a couple of definitions before we start that might kind of help you understand in the poem. Okay. Um, well, one, of, one of the definitions is working cattle. You hear that term a lot, we, well, we work cattle today, but it's just the process of vaccinating, neutering, marking for identity, uh. your cattle. And um, in the poem, you'll hear the term catch line. Well, that's just another name for the lariat. And another term called tailing the calves down. When you rope a calf, you pull it away from the rest of the herd because they try to bunch up together. So you rope one and you pull him, and there'll be a couple of people on the ground that will grab a hold of the calf's tail and the rope, and there's a little technique right on the ground so you can do your thing with it. And the last term that I'll tell you is the word shy. Um, in the poem, I use the term shy, and it's a verb form. When a horse shies, it's another term for spook. Uh, horses will sometimes shy when they see a tree stump or a weird clump of grass or just about anything. And, and they might lunge sideways. They might buck you off, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, you don't like it when your horse shies. Okay, super. Thank you for the introduction to those terms. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wellborn's poem is upcoming. Yet first, gotta love our sponsors, including Visit Liberal. Liberal, Kansas is the official hometown of Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Here you may visit Dorothy's home and the Land of Oz open all year round. Liberal is also the home of the Mid-America Air Museum, one of the largest air museums in the United States, exhibiting an extensive collection of airplanes, helicopters, and memorabilia. 
in Liberal, you may also visit the Baker Arts Center, proudly known as the Cultural Oasis on the Prairie. Come for annual events, for example, the famous International Pancake Day Race or OzFest. Enjoy a fine selection of restaurants, most of them locally owned. Stay for a while. Liberal has plenty of lodging from which to choose. For more information, link to visitliberal.com. Back to the interview with Mr. Wellborn. Do you have a poem for us? Uh, here goes, if you're ready. Oh, yes, I'm ready. I call this one a pretty good cowhand. It had been a hard, bitter Montana winter. And now the Yellowstone River ran high because the clouds they was breaking and spring grass it was making as a warm sun filled the big sky. Well, us boys had darn near lost hope when it had been too frozen to rope and we'd sure been anxious for spring. We could now do our chores without heavy clothes, working cattle, just doing the cowboy thing. We had us a good crew. It was cattle that we knew, and everyone was a sure enough top hand. It was on a right good-sized ranch owned by a widow named Hans. Took good cowboys to cover them lands. So one day with our horses all tethered, she called us together, and just like she did every year, she laid out the summer work plan. We stood close at hand so her message we all could get clear. But when she finished her talk and started to walk, she turned and said, I almost forgot. My little sister's youngest kid is going to work on this spread this summer till school would start. I believe she said the kid was from a beach somewhere back east, and I think she said the darn little beast was the right tender age of 16. Well, we all looked around, and we made not a sound because we knew just what this would mean. It meant a whole summer of wet nursing and plenty of cursing, some green, smart-aleck young kid who'd tell the boss lady that the mistakes he made daily was something that us old guys did. And when his misdeeds called for a whooping, indeed we'd all be forced to refrain from giving just desserts to the darn little squirt till we could send him back east on the train. So one evening the boss in her truck went to pick the boy up, and by then we was pretty well steamed. But we really got mad, and we knew we'd been had when it was a young girl that stepped out in the truck's headlight beams. Boy, the talk wasn't very bright in the bunkhouse that night, and none of it went to the young girl's favor. Why, we'd make her life miserable is how we had it figured, and watching her fail would be something we'd save her. Well, working cattle her first day, I guess you could say we spent just sizing her up. There wasn't too much said, just a few nods of the head watching for mistakes from this young girl pup. But, you know, she held up quite well. And I reckon I should tell she sat that saddle as good as I'd seen. And when she pulled out her catch line, she swung it just fine. In fact, she could really make that rope sing. Well, she caught calves all day, even throwed their mamas a few bales of hay. And by then, I was beginning to think that this young girl cowhand that rode for our brand did not, as we'd thought, really stink. Because the boys had tried when they seen she could ride to wear her out down on the ground. But she handled the irons and tailed the calves down each time that her turn come around. Well, through all the dirt and the grime, she held up just fine. The castrating and smell of burnt hair didn't faze her a bit. And she showed nary a quit, even when some insults filled the air. Well, then old Big Ben thought he'd try to make her horse shy by throwing some kind of weird loop with his rope but it bounced off her horse's flank and then off the stock tank and very soon made him look like a dope. 
because it bounced up in a heap at his own horse's feet, and I guess the mare thought it a snake, because she reared up in the sky, leaving Big Ben high and dry, pretty near come down on the back of old Jake. Now, as the event did unfold, it, it often is told that it seemed to happen in slow motion, like cold syrup. Because when Big Ben left the saddle that he'd previously straddled, we could see his left foot was hung in a stirrup. Well, it could have broke his neck, but the worst part of this wreck was watching that mare drag Big Ben off through scattering calves and other what-haves and all the cow pies in the pen. Well, with us boys a-sitting on the fence, it was the girl had the sense to shake out and build her a loop. She roped Big Ben's mare, gave him a grin and a stare as he slid to a stop in the poop. <laughs> well, it turned out a good summer, and we all thought it a bummer to see that young girl head back east to Beach, South Dakota, because she'd turned out to be a good cow hand, you see, and a pretty one, I'd say, in the least. Well, now I'm not so's uncouth as I'd go after that youth, but she looked good in that hat and them jeans. And she is much better company than them boys with their dumb bunkhouse stories and the ill effects of their beans. Well, that is great. Thank you. Don Wellborn, award-winning cowboy poet here in Kansas. Follow him on Facebook at Donald Dean Wellborn. Look you up there? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. This was a pleasure. Oh, it was my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. (laughs) On Mr. Wellborn's Facebook page, you'll find announcements when he's in poetry events, plus samples of his Western landscape photography. Say hello and tell him you heard him on A Romantic in Kansas. One of the things I love about the cowboy culture is that there are distinct cowboys and cowgirls. I was reminded of it here in Kansas. During the holiday season, a young gal named Brooke, at a tender three years, was visiting family. She was a fireball playing and having a grand time with cousins when it was time for her to go home. I helped her get ready and got her shoes. Let's put on your cowboy boots, I said. Cowgirl boots, she asserted as she ran over to oblige. Cowgirl boots, I concurred. I felt surprised that she was correcting me on this matter, yet appreciated that this happened. I indeed like to assert that I'm a female in my roles. When writing, I am an authoress, poetess. When on stage, I'm an actress. I'm one who is not offended by being recognized as a female in my pursuits. Actually, I take more umbrage if I'm not. I love celebrating that men are men and women are women. We each have our own strengths that we bring to the table. And that is worth acknowledging. It adds warmth and a tacit nod every time tis. Yet, in this modern day, lots of folks get hyper about speaking in a unisex manner. Nowadays, we're prodded to call servers on an airplane flight attendants instead of stewards or stewardesses. We're nudged to call leaders of committees chairpersons instead of chairmen or chairwomen. And why? To me, it's just a bungle. What is wrong with acknowledging male or female in one's role? The fact that the world is made up of males and females is fabulous. Why muzzle it? Well, 
They haven't tried in the cowboy realm yet. A cowboy is indeed a cowboy, and a cowgirl is indeed a cowgirl. And someone as new to the world as Brooke already took pride in it. Yee-haw! There is a venue in Kansas where you may step into the cowboy days. Here are details shared via a phone interview. I'm here with Jackie Gerson, the executive director at Old Cowtown. Welcome. Thank you. Now, Old Cowtown is in Wichita, Kansas. And could you elaborate what exactly is Old Cowtown? Yes. We are an open-air living history museum. Uh, We cover about 23 acres. We've got around 50 historic buildings that we have there. Um, Some of them are from the 1860s or from the 1870s, some a little bit later, and then there were a few that were built on site uh, to fill in kind of gaps in the town that we didn't have. And we also have costume folks that interpret the town so they can have dresses, as cowboys, saloon girls, uh, regular Victorian folks, and kind of bring the town to life. Okay, wonderful. In what part of Wichita is that? Uh, it's in downtown Wichita. Oh, wow. All right. Right along the river, yeah. And what are some examples of real cowboy experiences for visitors? Well, we've got uh, roping that they can do, like the cowboys would do. We've also got our gunfights that happen on the weekends. And we have two different cowboy gunfighting groups that do those and kind of interpret cowboy history that way. Uh, we've also got a chuck wagon there so you can see how the cowboys would have eaten on the trail. And, um, there's lots of different ways. Yeah, lots of different ways to experience it there. <laughs> so it sounds like, well, it's old cow town. So visitors are walking into a cow town from the past. And folks yeah. in cinema have done that because it seems just so real to the era. Mm-hmm. Could you give examples of movies? We were talking about that before the interview, that there's some Western movies that were filmed in Old Cowtown. Yes, there are some going back several years. Uh, some Going back to the 90s, there was the uh, Sarah Plain and Tall series with uh, Glenn Close was filmed at Cowtown. Uh, different portions of Cowtown. We've had recent movies, uh, one actually titled Wichita was filmed there. A movie called The Only Good Indian was filmed there. Um, Defenders, which is an uh, independent horror movie, was filmed there about the first serial killer family, Defenders. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a true story from the 1870s that took place in Kansas. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we've had quite a few movies out there. Okay. Great. And what are some other fun facts that you might want to share about Old Cowtown? Yeah, we have free admission every Sunday from now until October 21st. We oh. had a donor that gave us the money to open up free on Sunday. So um, admission is free and we still have all the same activities going on. Right now, you and I are talking in early spring. So we're going through the summer to yeah, October 1st. Yeah, the entire summer. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. Our hours are, uh, 12 to 5. So okay. we're open 12 to 5 every Sunday for free. Oh. Um, but it is a unique place. We have a collection of about 15,000 historic artifacts. Uh, most of them are on display. We do have several that are in storage that we kind of rotate out. So we not only entertain visitors with a little bit of the kind of Hollywood-type cowboy experience, but we also educate them on what the realistic aspects of the cowboy life were. Okay, great. And if people want more information on Old Cowtown, what may they do? 
they can go to our website at www.oldcowtown.org or our Facebook page, Old Cowtown Museum. Okay, wonderful. Jackie Gerson, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This A Romantic in Kansas special feature series is available on the Jackie T. Detour section of my website, A Romantic's Perspective, and via Jackie T. Detours on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes, and tis available via the Wren Internet Radio website, wrendigitalmedia.com. Now, the cowboy hat looks mighty fine for fashion. It actually was initially designed to be functional for cowboys who are working long days on the range and along the trails while herding cattle. From early on, cowboy hats were made to be waterproof. The first hats were designed so the cowboy could shape his hat to his liking. The basic cowboy hat design we are familiar with today is credited to Stetson serving this functionality. A. The wide brim protects cowboys from the elements. It shades them from the glaring and the heat of the sun. It acts as an umbrella from the rain and the snow. B. The wide brim and the large crown also serve well for signaling across the plain. It can easily be seen waving to indicate the directions to move the cattle. C. The brim curved up on the sides is to keep it out of the way of the rope that the cowboy is working with. And D. The crown is pinched for better grasping control. And here are a few guidelines behind cowboy hat etiquette. First and foremost, respect a person's hat. If you find yourself admiring someone's cowboy hat or cowgirl hat, keep your hands off. A hat is personal to an individual and prized. Reaching out to touch their hat is considered rude, and they don't have to be nice about it in turn. Now, you may comment on the hat or even ask questions about it. However, do not ask to touch it. Now, if they offer, you may touch the hat, but otherwise don't even ask to, okay? That's up to them. Okay, here are places and times for cowboys to remove their hats. When going inside someone's home as an honor to the host or hostess, when entering church. Now, this rule does not apply to cowboy church, okay? In cowboy church, it's okay to keep the hats on. When you go into public buildings, you may keep the hat on. And remove your hat when introduced to a woman. Make a point to remove it with your left hand so that you may shake her hand with your right. This also applies when introduced to anyone who is your elder or who is a man of the cloth. Now, when in a restaurant, you do not need to take off your hat if seated at the counter, yet you do if you're seated at a table, okay? And these rules on when and where to remove your hat do not apply to cowgirls and their hats. You know, we have so many paved roads these days, it's hard to envision what it was like for the cowboys and the pioneers and for the Indians who took on the western terrain long before anything was paved. Yet, have you ever been driving along a highway or riding a train to behold stretches of landscape along the side and wondered what it was like to be in the midst of it like the folks in those yesteryears.
Well, Susan Barnes, proprietress of the Grand Central Hotel, understands, and she co-hosts an annual horse ride for those who want to get a taste of those days along the vast Kansas Flint Hills. Here are details. I have what we call the dream ride in the Flint Hills. If people have driven from like Kansas City to Wichita across the turnpike, they look across and I know a lot of them dream about riding a horse across the Flint Hills. So Ernie Rodina uh, and I have had our 19th year of doing the dream ride where we actually take about 100 riders out to experience riding a horse across the Flint Hills. And we cook out on the prairie, we do all of it, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. Where it's is in that? Se- when is that? It's in September, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. Okay. And they can contact me through my website, grandcentralhotel.com, for information on that. But it's the dream ride in the Flint Hills. With all this talk about cowboys and cowgirls and cowboy lifestyle, I reckon to mention an expression burning daylight. It was made notable via the movie The Cowboys Made in 1972, starring John Wayne. In this story, rancher Will Anderson, played by Mr. Wayne, is forced to hire inexperienced boys as cowhands to help drive a herd to market, with the dangers of cattle rustlers trailing them. Will Anderson was the boys' leader, their trainer, their boss. He was also their mentor, begrudgingly at times. One of the things he taught them was to keep moving. If they paused at all or took too long at breaks, Will Anderson would assert, We're burning daylight, and prompt them to mount their horses and get a moving. He meant they only had so many hours of daylight to keep on mission, and they needed daylight to progress. So, burning daylight was using precious time. Every moment mattered, and they needed to use it with efficiency. That expression echoes to today, and according to UrbanDictionary.com, it means wasting precious time that could be used doing something productive. This and other fun word entries may be found on my website, A Romantics Perspective, linked to Love for Words and Featured Words. Gotta love our sponsors, including the Grand Central Hotel. Grand Central Hotel is located just off National Scenic Byway 177 in Cottonwood Falls, the county seat of Chase County in the heart of the Flint Hills. Make reservations to dine in the hotel's Grand Grill restaurant to enjoy the best steaks in Kansas, all in a fine dining experience with a relaxed atmosphere. The hotel is a boutique hotel with a western flair. Overnight accommodations include elegant suites named for local historic ranches. For more information, visit GrandCentralHotel.com. A Kansas Fact Moment How many listeners know what is the Kansas State song? Tis Home on the Range It began as a poem written by Dr. Brewster M. Higley after he moved from Indiana to a small cabin in Kansas in 1871. He named the poem 
My Western Home. It was published in 1872 in the local newspaper Smith County Pioneer. Dr. Higley's friend Daniel E. Kelly wrote music for the poem to make a song that was eventually picked up by ranchers, settlers along the western regions, and cowboys. They sang it during tasks and at cozy night home fires. The song title was known as Western Home and also Home on the Range. It was officially adopted as the state song of Kansas in June 1947. And wherever you are, you likely are familiar with this song, right? Okay, let's have a sing along. Ready? Here we go. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. Everyone, home, home on the range. Where the deer and the antelope play Where seldom is heard a discouraging word And the skies are not cloudy all day That was fun! You know, I just realized that this song is a waltz. It has a one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three rhythm. Folks must have danced to it while it was played by makeshift bands who played guitar, banjo, or harmonica by the home fires. How romantic. We're coming to a close of this episode. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me in celebrating the Cowboys on the Western Frontier. Definitely check out our sponsors. You'll find links to their websites via my website, A Romantics Perspective. Select the Jackie T. Detours menu and A Romantic in Kansas. You will also hear their ads on Rent Internet Radio, a 24-7 online radio that is based in Topeka, Kansas and available via the World Wide Web. I cordially invite you to join me for the next special feature, Wines in Kansas. This includes exploring the Kansas rich wine history and also an interview with Chris Tyler, owner and winemaker at Wheat State Wine Company. Until then, lasso what you want in your life and remember, stay romantic. At night, when the heavens are bright with the lights from the glittering stars, have I stood there amazed? And I asked as I gaze if their glory exceeds that of ours. Everybody, home, home on the range where the deer and the antelope play. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word And the skies are not cloudy all day